0: You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for His glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Good morning. Wow, that's a good morning. Good morning. Um, My wife and I are just privileged to be with you in Newton. I don't think we've ever been to Newton, um, but I love being here so far. It's a great, great place to be. We are just fresh off a vacation uh, back in town yesterday. And if you've ever taken a vacation with four grandchildren... You realize as you get older, you need a vacation from the vacation you just had. So today we're going to consider as a vacation as we have four perfect grandchildren, four, three, three, one, and just a few months and one on the way. So we're a lot younger than we look, but we have a lot of great memories the last few days. But we have been praying for this for a while to be with you. Excited about what God is doing. How many of you believe that COVID did not catch God off guard? The more I live, the more I realize that God knows what he's doing. And often we have conversations with people and they say, well, the church is in trouble. And I said, nah, the church is not in trouble whatsoever. Really? I said, yeah, really, it's not in trouble whatsoever. Does the church have some challenges? Absolutely. But two things about the church we have to remember. One, Jesus is the head and he's good. Right? Okay, work with me, right? Yeah, okay, cool. The second thing is, church is a full of messed up people that most of them know they're messed up. But the grace and mercy of God has transformed them not to make us better than anybody else, but to humble us at the very power of who he is. Because isn't Christianity a movement? It spreads, it saturates, it moves, and it does some, some crazy things. Um, let me just illustrate it to you this way. And um, there's no clock on the back, so I guarantee you, I better take this off. Okay, Sheila. Right a few years ago, we had started a church in 2000. A lot of ministries God's blessed. us. Fellowship of Christian Athletes, churches, um, students. I love students. You can be honest with them. Adults got to be around the bush. Students you need to shoot straight. I like that. Um, pastoring, planning a church. But in 2000, we planted a church up in Brevard. And... And that church was just an amazing hand of God. Um, by the way, I get very nervous. My wife asked me this morning, do I get nervous before crowds? I don't. I get nervous when the spotlight gets on me, though. I hate that. Because I don't really bring a whole lot to the table. Let me tell you what I bring to the table. I'm way worse than I thought I was. But he's way better than I thought he was. Second thing, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Okay. You with me so far? So don't look at me, but hear the word. So a few years ago, I took my very first sabbatical as a as a pastor in, in this church and was concerned about the church in this in this capacity. We had really seen God move, salvation, disciple making. When I use the word disciple making, I'm using a term that has two prongs to it. It has a reaching prong where you're leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. You're sharing the gospel. And a teaching phase that you grow them up into the commands of the lord so it's not one or the other it is both okay so you're reaching people new birth growing them up and they're reproducing also and i I felt like our church was becoming inward and so i took a sabbatical and the elders really sent and said hey go take a break you've been doing this a long time and um you know see what god does so two months later after that sabbatical uh, i met with the elders and they asked me this they said what did god tell you for the church and, and, and that particular church, and I said, you know, can I be honest? Absolutely nothing. And that's not what they wanted to hear. Um, but I met with a neighbor right across the street. My wife's really, really the brains and the spiritual side of what we do in our ministry. Um, she had told me a couple of years ago before, a year before, I believe God's dealt with us here in this particular place and on and on and on. But we bought a house that I didn't want to buy. It was in the wrong place. It was the wrong price. It was the wrong Everything. Of course, what does a man know about a house? But we had looked, and Sheila said, this is the one. And, you know, you go with that, and and it was the one. And so we moved into that neighborhood, and we honestly, for the first couple of years, we were on the road. And um, 2015, took a sabbatical, went across the street to a neighbor, and I love this couple, uh, new age. And um, sat down with them for an hour because I had time. And just had some conversation. It was a great, great time. Nothing heavy other than restaurants we like and some things like that. And why does Todd, your yard look so bad when mine looks so good type stuff. Um, but when it was all said and done, he, he said this. Boy, this has been good. You, for the first time, had time to talk to me. And you never have had time to do that before. Now, I've had people tell me that before. But something that day happened. Now, I don't know if you've experienced anything like that. But something like the Holy Spirit saying, take note of what he just said. And I did. And boy, I just left there thinking that. So I told our elders, I don't know that God didn't say anything to me about the church, but he did say something for my neighborhood. He has put Shia and I there with a greater purpose than just living there. He's put us there in that place with a, with a greater desire than just keeping the yard and, and, and living on the back porch and hiding out when we come home from a busy day. He has sent us there on mission if nothing else, to tell that one neighbor about who Christ is. And honestly, we went through this journey over the next few months of saying, God, how can we do that? Because I've always been concerned about, I want to know if that person knows the Lord or not. I want to know how they got to that spot. So out of that became a, a a journey, a looking of our church is becoming inward a little bit. I've always gone into ministry. I just believe, I just want, I want people to know Jesus. I really believe he is worth that and over the next several months we wrestled with that went to the elders at the end of that year and said you know what this guy what he said to me not, i cannot get past and i want to resign and i want to start i don't know what we're going to do but i want to do something with this neighbor and i may not do anything else i work at mcdonald's but i want to share christ with that neighbor i just believe that's where he's brought us to and now that became a ministry called around the corner and it became a ministry that we just really believe that god is sovereign and this means he's totally in control He knows what he's doing. Know where you are as you walk with him is an accident. Talking to Ruth as she is at UNC Greensboro. Why has God put her there? Bigger purpose than she has. Our daughter went there. Uh, Why has God put you where you live, where you work, where you play? Have you ever thought about looking at it from God's perspective? Could we look beyond the physical and see the spiritual? And if we do, how would that change us? I want to take you to to, uh, Matthew chapter 9. And I want to give you just a, um, a mindset how to really, 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 really um, saturate the places that you are the very way Jesus did. And I'm going to call these four must for disciple making. Again, disciple-making to me is reaching people. That means you talk to people about Jesus. And by the way, let's just be clear, clear here. How many of, you, how many of that just scares you to death? To talk to somebody about Jesus. Okay? Those are the ones that are doing it. <laughs> the ones that are not scared usually, either they've got a gift that can do it or just don't do it. But when you're scared, that's okay. Because you then become dependent. By the way, dependence <clears throat> on the Lord and His Word and the Spirit is the best place to be. Really is. Okay? Now, if you're an amen in church, you don't have to be. That'd have been a good amen right there because that's a great statement. So, good. All right, <clears throat> just give you a thought. But I want to read these verses to you, and I want to get you this. I'm going to give you four things. Four things that we want to see from Jesus that really are key to carrying out what you want out, to carry out in the gospel. I love what your pastor's talking about, I love your vision. But what we want to look at is implementation. And really what I'm going to challenge you on is this. Not however many is here, or however many is on Facebook, however many is listening. But you personally, I want to challenge. I want to challenge you personally right where you are. And it may be a little bit uncomfortable as it has been with me. But if it is uncomfortable, take that uncomfortableness and ask this question. God, why is this uncomfortable to me? Okay, so let me just read the verses to you. And I just want to walk you right through them. Jesus speaking here, and Jesus was going through uh, Matthew nine thirty-five. 35. Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Therefore, beseech or urge or beg the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So I want to look at real quickly a couple of thoughts. One, if you read the last two words of verse 38, what are those two words? His ah, very good. His harvest. It is his harvest, not ours. Okay. Let's practice something. Let's say that together. It is his harvest, not ours. It is his harvest, not ours. So we're not responsible for the harvest. We're responsible to be workers of the harvest. Isn't that good? Because if I walk through the I mean, you, some of you may be um, great with seeds and plants. If I looked at a tree, I would say that's a tree. Now, some trees are a lot more obvious than others, but I'm not the one that could say what kind of tree that is. But I can tell you how to get to that tree. And I can walk you through. So that's really where Jesus is. So we've got to look at this deal of developing a foundation. Of realizing it is his harvest. As we see here, I'm going to give you something that's going to be very practical. Implementation is key here. First, verse 35. As Jesus was going. One, we must do mission the way Jesus did it. Not come here. To hear about him, but as you are going. Crazy concept. I don't like the word new normal. I don't think we're in a new normal, honestly. I think we're back to the basics in Christianity. Wherever God has put you, instead of saying, come here, he has sent you there. So as he sent you there, we see this great picture. Jesus is going. What's Jesus going? Well, he's preaching or teaching in the synagogues? Can you imagine how fun that must have been? He is what? Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He's teaching. He's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And he's healing every kind of sickness and disease. And what a great picture that is of of what we must be about. So the church is being challenged today of how do we meet How do we get together? We need to meet. We need to get together. But I think what really is going to happen is this. The same God that called us crazily out of a church that was healthy four years ago, almost five years ago, knew that COVID was coming, knew that things were going to get smaller, and knew that the church was not going to be able to do ministry the way it has done it. There's a new type of ministry taking place. Hear this very carefully. Jesus has not changed the message at all. But the ministry will change over and over and over and over again. We cannot worship ministry. We worship the Savior and His message. And His message can plug into any ministry there is. So He's going and as He's going we realize as Jesus is saying, As you are going... Hey, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So there's the key of going. So let's just wrestle with this question. Have you ever thought of God putting you where you live as a mission assignment from him? I just like the house, you know? I just like the neighborhood, like the schools. Could it be that there's some people there that God is wanting you to touch base with, to get to know, to pour into, to pray for. That he is speaking to, that he is drawing. That you can be a witness to them and share Jesus with them. How many of you ever thought about that? Anybody? Yeah, great. A lot of times we think to be a missionary, we've got to get on a plane and go overseas. It used to get on a boat and not come back. Now you get on a plane and come back a lot. Um, yeah, missions has never been intended to be a location-driven place. Now, God sends us places. But he sends you a place with a heart. He sends you a heart with a place to, to, to do something with. So there's something to be learned about being on mission where we are. Now, we've heard that before. But what's so important about that? So as we start thinking about things, what we've got to really translate to is this. We're going to look at a couple other verses. We've got to move missions as an event because here's what events do. They test our learning. But when they end, we usually head to a different subject. We cannot have the gospel being an event-driven thing. Why? Because it will end and then we'll stop doing it. Events are tests, like we give it exams. Why? To see how well we've learned the material. So what Jesus is showing, as I go in my everyday life, how can I incorporate the gospel and life into what's what? Real key here is really awareness. In our ministry, we really built off the acrostic A-W-E. First is awareness. You ever see people the way Jesus sees them? We taught worship or workshop. We have trained to do that, really to engage them. With the gospel. Exactly what Jesus does here. And as he does it, he's calling us to live on mission. The separating point is going to be this To live on mission is a great statement to some, and to the other few, it's a lifestyle. It's got to be a lifestyle, but here's the key to the lifestyle. Just because Jesus said it, he put something to it and he shows, let me show you what's behind it. So, first, we must have to do Mission, do life like Jesus. As He's doing life, He is sensitive to the what? Yeah, absolutely. As He goes and does it, look in verse 20, 36 and look what the Holy Spirit leads, him, leads him to. What does Jesus see? Sees who? If we would be very honest, we'll understand this. Not only do you see the mission, this is the broad, now He's bringing it in. The mission is the people. Who has God put around you? Who do you bump into sort of like crazy over and over again? Why do you bump into them? Could it be that God wants you to see them the way he sees them? Have you ever walked by people that you probably should have stopped and talked to and you just knew that there was a prompting there to do that, but you missed it? Anybody done that? If you've ever done that, good. You're in a good category. That means you're concerned. And you do that, but he saw the people. Not only did he see the people, he saw them in such a way, he was concerned about them at every level. Jesus dealing with the woman at the well, what did he do? Boy, he just poured into her heart and reached out to her where she was. But boy, he was willing to talk to her when no one else would. Why? Because so often in our churches, we want everybody to be perfect. It's almost like Facebook, give me a like. Like. Let me tell you what, Jesus is just not going to be as popular as you want him to be. He's going to offend some people. Some of the things he said was like, wow, really? I'm teaching a little church I get to go be with when I'm not on the road. We're going through the book of Revelation, verse five, chapter by chapter. And when you start looking at like Revelation 6 and you see the Father and the Son, and what do they do? You see a whole picture of Christ and and God that's totally different. Meaning, His total character comes in. But let me tell you what. When we start seeing the true and living God, we'll want people to know Him. But what happens? We have to be aware of the people. And let me tell you what awareness of the people is. It's an intentionality to say, Lord, let my eyes see the way You see people. And let me see them spiritually, not only physically. A few years ago, we were... um, Praying for a, a, a family member that lived in California. We were in North Carolina. A small group. Praying. And just praying God would do a work. This this daughter needed Christ. This this father was broken for this daughter. And I'll uh, pray she comes to know Christ. And, and, and after it was over, she a few, a few started saying, Well, listen, really what we're praying for is a brother and sister in California around her to talk to her about Christ. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So... Could there be people right around you, maybe not only where you live, but maybe where you work, or maybe your hobbies, maybe your sports, that, that somebody's praying for around the world and praying for someone to be bold enough to what? to be sensitive to the Spirit, to tell them about Jesus. Now, isn't that exciting to say, I have that opportunity to do that? So here's Jesus saying, as he was going, that's a must, okay? It's a lifestyle, wherever my feet are. The second thing is, he sees the people around him. I find myself attracted to people. And part of people think I'm, well, I know I'm weird, but I'm staring at them, wondering wonder where they are, wonder what they're doing. Usually, and, and check me with my wife, usually if I'm with you for any short of time, I'm going to figure a way to talk to you, talking um, this morning, just just hearing stories and just hearing people's stories of salvation. It excites me. Um, but God's put us in places in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and he wants us to, to see people. It's intentional. So first must it's got to be a mission but how do you get there second it's got to be an intentionally god give me the eyes to see people the way you see them because what does it say how did he see them he saw them as what distressed downcast with a sheep like a like a sheep without a shepherd i've been to israel a few times a sheep without a shepherd is death distressed dispirited that is our Country today. That's our world today. And as we start seeing people that way, we see them that way because we're on mission. We're seeing them because we ask for God's eyes. But what did Jesus feel? What's the word he felt? What? Compassion. What does that mean? Sorry for them? He was burned for them. He really wanted them to know the Father. He knew their situation, discouraged, dispirited, hopeless, helpless, in great danger. So much so that here's Jesus doing all these miracles to prove that He is God. Is getting ready to go to the cross for them. So much that He felt the compassion that His heart was moved. Because here's what we're going to see. You can understand that it's His harvest that He's put you in. But you've got to pray for His heart. Because without his heart, you don't really care about his harvest, right? His heart is something that we ask for, that he gives to us as we pray and seek God for that. As we start seeing people, the heart moves our hands and our hands move to people. So we see these pieces start falling in place. We're on mission. Hey, intentionally, God, let me bump into people that know you. God, give me your heart for people. Do you live in, how many of you live in a neighborhood there's a neighbor you just don't like? (laughs) I was prayer walking a few years ago, a couple years ago, with a pastor. And I love prayer walking, and I'm sure y'all do that. Prayer walking is just, we're out with this pastor, and and we're walking through his neighborhood, and he said, That's the house that nobody goes to see. That's the house that that's that neighbor that is just a problem. That's the house that just drives us crazy. And I said, Boy, that's the house you probably should just pray up and say, God, let me be the one to be that gospel presentation of that house. See, when we start doing that, we start this development and this attitude of saying, God, give me your heart for these people. Let me see them as dispirited. Let me see them as helpless. Let me see them as in the need of a savior. Let me see them that way. And God, if you don't give me that vision, I'm going to do it out of duty. And duties like this. I did it because the pastor asked me to, but boy, I'm tired of this. Let me go do something else. How many of you have ever been in love She's gonna you raise your hand. No, know she not raise your hand. If you're in love, you know what you do. You're overwhelmed. You just can't get enough of that person talking and being with them and being with them. Let me just throw out a challenge. Can you really be in love without giving up your heart? How do you know you're in love? Mm-hmm. Are y'all married? Boy, you're a lucky man, right there, boys. Amen. You do anything for them. I'll ask often when I'm doing premarital counseling, has God given you permission to get married? They'll always look at me and say, what? If you're both believers, he's given you permission to get married. Then I'll ask this question, how do you know you're in love? And boy, they'll go all in. He does, does. He makes me feel good. He points me to Christ. Those are all great things. I love scripture. For God so loved the world, He. you always know you're in love when you give yourself up. Hey, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But the life I now live in Christ, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You watch when God talks about love, his love for people and his love. He'll always attach that word, give yourself up. When you're not in love, you'll take. But when you're truly in love, you give yourself up. Could it be that our love for the Lord could be waning because we're so often not willing to give ourselves up to the people around us because we're not really willing to give our heart up to him. And so, therefore, we, we battle these things. But we really want to saturate people around us and see people in mission. Well, we're going to live that way. We need to see people. God, give us those eyes. But God, I pray, give me your heart for those people around me. Give me your heart. Let me me feel for them the way you feel for them. Let me see them as a sheep without a shepherd. Let me be burned for them. And Lord, as I do that, when things come up, let me act on a way. If you come to the training or tonight, you'll hear some applications to this. But here's the key. My heart for God and His mission is not just being motivated to, to do something. It's really a love for the Lord in such a way that says, Lord, how can I not do? Can I tell you, I don't know there's a worse person on earth than me that he would come and save me. What did I do to deserve that? Zero. Matter of fact, I did a lot to not deserve it, but he did. That's the gospel. Your neighbors, your, your people around you, God has put you there so we can learn from Jesus as we, as we see his going and his life and intentionality and it works. And then we see his, his, his need to see people, intentionality. And then we see his, his power of, God, give me your heart for these people. Let me have compassion for them to, to act on that and to act in such a way that brings us to the final part of this that says this.
1: Jesus then goes
0: and says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. His, his, hey, basically it's ripe, but the workers are few. I always put this into in, in pastoring to children's ministry. You never have enough nursery workers or children's workers. That's where I see this applying a lot. You just never have enough. But here's the deal. The harvest is plentiful. It means it's ripe. Can I tell you? There's probably some people right around you that you bumped into last week, and they're going to bump into this week, that are ripe for harvest probably. And as you bump into them, here's what's going to happen. The Lord's going to give you eyes a, a nudge. Mm, like he did with my neighbor. Wow. I might want to bridge a conversation with him. How many of you are introverts? Anybody? Yeah, cool. God uses introverts one-to-one. So don't be afraid to be an introvert. Just be extroverted on the gospel. That's all. Be introverted, but extrovert the gospel. Okay, so as you do that, we see these kind of things take place. So now he's challenging us in as, as we work in, and do this. You're going to bump into people. Here's what he says to do. Beseech the Lord of the harvest. Urge the Lord of the harvest, the Father, to do what? To send out laborers. Hey, the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So we need workers. Who are the workers? Minimum wage people. Okay. Every person that names the name of Jesus is that worker. Okay? Everybody got a pointer finger? Give you a practice. May use Facebook. I'm not a big Facebook fan, but hey, point it. don't point it at anybody else but you. Lord, help me to be that worker, to be on mission for harvest. Lord, let me be one that has eyes to see people the way you see them, heart to love people the way you love them, and the courage to pray for them in such a way That God, I'll be the one to tell them about Jesus. I don't think people are offended to hear about Jesus. I think they laugh at us because we're not bold enough to talk to them about Jesus. Because they'll say, if you really love someone, you're going to talk to them about it. So we see this beautiful picture of prayer. So this brought all in would look like this. Here's Jesus saying, listen, as you do life in my name, you don't have to get on a plane even though that's okay. Wherever God, wherever he has put you, that's your field. Right around us, we have 100 homes. 70% of them are unchurched. We have divided up our neighborhood with other believers. Not all of the same church, not all of the same denomination, but all of the same head, Jesus. And we send them out and they divide up and pray. In the month of April, we pray for every home in our neighborhood. And praying, God, do a work. Draw people to yourself. Give us opportunities. Give us ways to get in, to, to share. And all the month, uh, we pray for them. And we do that continually. As we see God move, we see this happening. We see college campuses. We see students. God has put me at this campus. I'll clean my dorm. I'll clean my suite mates. I'll clean my team. High school campuses, whatever it is. Uh, uh, jobs, wherever it is. People are recognizing this. They're recognizing that I am where I am because God has put me there. And I thought it was for me and my advancement, future. And God's saying, no, it's for the here and now. This very day, I want to prepare you, but also I want you to know that you're on mission. I have put you there, back to our house. I didn't want to live there. She'll did. Two quick stories and I'm done. My wife is spiritual, I'm flesh a lot of the time. Um, we went to a restaurant the other night down in Hilton Head, right before we were getting ready to leave. We were recovering, our grandkids are all gone; love them, but boy, I'm old. And um, she chooses a restaurant, and, and I'll be honest with you, it, it was good, but I had another one in mind. And so we go to this restaurant, and we sit on the same side of the booth. I thought it was because it was a little romance, but really, it was a better view. She do not want to see the bay, and I just happened to be on that side too. Um and after a while we're eating it was great and all of a sudden this guy comes in and boy I said boy he looks familiar and I didn't even say anything to Shepard just looked familiar a few minutes he starts walking over to me and you know people with masks I get a little nervous they come in toward me and I'm thinking wow what's up and he said we need to go outside and I knew who he was at that point there was a guy that we served with at a church in Asheville twenty something years ago I hadn't seen him in years we served ministry together They were in that same restaurant at the exact same time. And what did we do? We got to catch up and encourage one another in the gospel. What he had done. When we left there that night, you say, wow, that's coincidence. I don't believe there are any coincidences in the Holy Spirit. I just believe God is sovereign. And we left there and Sheila said this. You know, I believe God led us there just to encourage them and them to encourage us. That's the God we serve. How many of you believe that? It's what he does. There's people in your community in that same need. That 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 same space, that that same plan, is is what God does. A few years ago, I was speaking at a college on Romans one, and I mean, I was on. You know, sometimes a pastor's not on like they're sometimes on. I was on with the college students. I Man, it was just good. They were engaged. I was engaged. I love interacting and brought it to them. And I was thinking, wow, that was good my daughter was with me who was getting ready to go overseas for a, a semester to to, uh, to check out uh, if God had called her to full-time missions. And she was dropping out of school for uh, a semester to go do that. And I look at her and I say, uh, anything you want to say? And I'm you know, just courteous. And she says, you know, really, that was really, really good. But can I add to that? And she goes to Romans 1 a little bit further, verse 14, and just brings in... She says, "You know what? I think we need to hear where Paul says, "I'm, I'm under obligation. I'm under obligation to the, the Greeks, the barbarians, to all people. The obligation is not me to them. The obligation, or the really the better in rendering of that word in the Greek is indebtedness." I'm indebted to God for all peoples. And that's why I'm going overseas and dropping out of school for a semester, because I want people to have the same right that I have to hear the name of Jesus in their own heart language. And every one of those college students were just like, had forgotten anything I had said, and engaged into that because that resonated with them, because that's exactly the message that they needed to hear. So what does all this mean? Well, I think it means a few things. One, God doesn't put anybody anywhere without eternity in mind. Challenge me on that. I'd be okay with that. But just think for a moment. You mean that job? Uh, that school? That neighborhood? That neighbor? Yeah, I do. Why? Because I believe the new normal is this, back to the basis, wherever our feet are. And by the way, people coming to quick, Christ quick, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be process and prayer and time. Remember the, the widow that drove the judge crazy? It's just persistence. It's key. Think about that. Second, pray this prayer. God, give me your eyes. Oh, please let me see people the way you see them. Help me not to walk by that person. Help me to see that person. And Lord, let me know it's from you. And as you do that, and by the way, the more you pray for people, the same people, the more you get their heart. God, give me your heart for people. By the way, I don't, I don't love people I don't know. I mean, we like to say that. But we really don't. We don't know them. God, let me know them. Let me love them. Let me, let, me, let me just have your heart for these people. And as I pray for these people, Lord, here's my prayer. Open a door. Open a door for me to talk to them. And open my mouth to say what they need to hear. Now you say, how did I get all that? Well, you can come to training or come tonight. We'll walk through all these details. But I believe this. It all begins here. First, do you believe God can do anything? Okay, let's test it. If you believe God can do anything, would you believe that He has put you where you are, whatever that is? You pick one. He's put you there. To be the one. Now I love the movement, I'm all into it. Who's your one? I love that. But let me let me toss something out to you. Be I'm I'm gonna challenge you to be the one. O N E. Obligated To my neighbor's eternity. Those are the people that I think God is raising up. They're seeing people and being missioned. And seeing the church sending them as they come back in to go back out. That I'll be that one. That I'll be a leader. And if it's just me, what am I going to do? I'm going to be the one that believes God's put me there. I'm going to pray that God gives me eyes and heart for these people. And I'm going to open my mouth. And speak to them about Jesus. And as I meet other believers, I'm going to enlist them to join me. What will happen? How many people have you saved? Can I tell you how many people I've saved? Zero. The ones I have, they're in trouble. Right? The Lord saves. It's His harvest. What do we do? Open our mouths. And tell the good news of Jesus. Jesus. So I don't know. Do we have a song or something like that? Here's what I want to do. I want to make it really weird. Isn't that good? Can I make it really weird? Because I probably won't come back. You don't, you know, I don't usually get asked back. But let me, just, let me just do this. Question. You can come on up and, and you get ready when you're ready. Um, did this message make sense to you? Have you heard it before? Yes. Good. Good pastor. Have you acted on it? Good. Do you own the community that you're in? Okay. I want to ask you to do this. If you would consider saying, God, here am I. We don't have to say, send me. He's already done that. Own where he has sent you. Can I ask you to do this? Just as accountability. Accountability. I'm not going to come and take your name and send you 44 emails of threats and get, do this. I'm going to pray for you. I want to be the one that will own right where I'm at. And got to let you know if that's your neighborhood, your school, your, your hobby, whatever. You go with that. i want to be that one that I'm going to do exactly what Jesus said. I believe he's put me here. I'm going to ask for, see people around me. I'm going to ask for the heart. And I'm going to start praying for them. And that's going to be my lifestyle, not a program. Would you just stand up? Because God has eyes to see. Don't guilt into standing up. Don't do it because everybody else is doing it. Because God keeps count. That's awesome. We could just not have church for a month and just go win all the neighbors. Here's my prayer for you. My prayer is this Don't get distracted, don't get discouraged. It's not your harvest. His. What do we do? Water and sow. The word, the spirit. But we start here. If you come out this afternoon, you'll get the, re- the real details of what this looks like in practical ways. But since we're all standing, I want to turn it to a song we're going to sing, right? Okay, I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than just stay standing. But I do want to say this. I thank God for your rapidness. To, to to worship, but here's what I'm gonna pray for. In one year from now, will you still be standing? If not, get back up. If two years, three years, five years. Here's how long I want you to stand. Not literally. For the rest of your life. And I promise you this you're gonna see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he's going to use you to be the one to do that. Come and lead us. Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.